0: Hello friends, welcome to Tell Us a Good Story world. Today we have a very special guest, Coach Jeff Hardings This I gentleman has won all all a little bit of everything in his career As a professional football player from high school and to college to the NFL He's won championships tonight. at every level He actually won a Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers back in 2005 So we are honored to have him, he's got some great stories tonight. to share So hope you enjoy today's episode of
1: Tell Us a Good Story the story of my life but take a home
0: I've driven night to keep her warm in time
1: is frozen. The
0: story of my life right, You've been very excited about this. <laughs> so
1: excited. <laughs> You're yes. so excited,
0: a fellow in Northwest Ohio
1: Yes
0: graduate. Mm-hmm. Right. So ladies and gentlemen. Our next guest has, I think, won every award Ever. imaginable. I think, mm-hmm. except a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> he's a he's a husband, father of eight children, and the head football coach at Worthington Christian High School. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good
2: story, Coach Jeff Hardings. Thank you, Coach. Hey, thank How you. How are you? It's it's my pleasure, and I hope I got a good story to tell. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: I think you're going to have plenty.
0: Here's a quick background of coach's accomplishments. So he won a high school state championship. Mm-hmm. Saint Henry, St. Henry played on an undefeated
2: team at Penn State.
0: Were you co national champions? By the way,
2: that no, year? No, no, no. I mean, we no. were New York Times national champion. Okay. I mean, it's, okay. You no. Know.
0: Was was a two time first team All American in college. Drafted in the first round of the NFL. He was picked number twenty three by the Detroit Lions in 1996 had an 11 year career in yeah. the NFL with the Lions and the Pittsburgh Steelers. He blocked for two future hall of fame running backs, Barry Sanders, Jerome Bettis selected to a pair of NFL pro bowls voted twice NFL pro. I'm running out of breath here. <laughs> he earned his super bowl ring with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2005 scored a touchdown and, and co-starred in a Campbell Soup commercial with some of his <laughs> Steelers teammates. <laughs> On top of being a father of eight children and the head football coach at Worthing Christian High School, did did I leave anything out there, Coach? Oh, that's oh enough. My, I'm. I'm oh my goodness, so that's <laughs> That is amazing. Like, You're amazing. It makes me. It makes me feel like, okay, Kevin, what are you doing with your life after <laughs> after reading that laundry list of accomplishments? So I know, Steph, you've been dying to ask. This is, so Coach, excited. this is really the main thing my wife wants to ask you. Go ahead, honey. Go ahead and start off the conversation. Sure.
1: Let's talk about MAC football <laughs> because people don't understand. When I say, you know, I grew up watching football and they're like, oh, yeah, we, I did too. I'm like, no, no, no. You until you understand MAC football, high school it, football, MAC conference, high school football, you don't get high school football. What is your take on
2: what was that like for you? Yes, Coach? physical, very competitive, very competitive, and you know, podcasts nowadays they're they're you know worldwide, national, and regional, and everything else. And I think in Ohio, Ohio is one of the top five schools for football, and the MAC conference is the number one. Conference might not be the best players in the state of Ohio, but definitely that conference is the most competitive or one of the most competitive. We actually have a pretty competitive conference here in Columbus with Division I schools. Um, But Division Seven, Six, and Five, and for those that don't know, we have seven divisions in Ohio. Division One being the schools with a thousand or more students probably in them, Division Seven, Six, and Five being schools with a hundred or so kids in each class. And Parkway, St. Henry, quarter Marion are as part of part of that conference, and um, it, it's just very competitive. And it, and it really started uh, back in the late '80s with my school, St. Henry, starting to win state championships, and we set the bar. And Coater and Marion, I mean Marion is the, is a the team that people nationally are chasing. They've had they've had a New York Times article written on them. I think they've won nine oh, wow. out of state championships. Nine out of state years, they've won a state championship and been there 10 years in a row. And um, I'll tell you a little story. It's a short story. I'm at Worthing Christian. I'm trying to learn, get back to my roots of MAC football. So I'm, I'm meeting Coldwater's coach occasionally, talking to him and St. Henry's coaches. Really? And we didn't make the playoffs last year. So I decided, well, I'm going to go to the Marion local. Coldwater Cavalier um state or not state, it was a it was a playoff game. This was in 2018 actually. And just kind of revisit, see what that's like, see what the sidelines are like. Halftime I was walking around the field and there was a group of about 20, 25 Marion local kids, little you know, kids, elementary school age kids on a little part of um of grass probably 10 yards by 10 yards or whatever. And they were playing all out tackle football. Yes. I mean, mauling yes. each other. And one kid yes. got hit in the gut and got dropped to his knees and was like walking around. And I took a video of it, sent it to my coaches. And I said, this is what we're missing. And I have no idea how to replicate it. <laughs> so,
0: well, coach, Steph was telling me about high school football in Northwest Ohio when we were dating and, and got married. Mm-hmm. And, so, they her family took me to a, a Coldwater Versailles game. Okay. And, and during this particular year, Coldwater was uh, ranked first in, in Division six. And I think uh, Versailles was maybe D- Division five, ranked number one. And so I went to the game and I was shocked by the turnout. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, these towns shut down for the football game. And the 50 50 drawing was over $10,000. <laughs> and so the, the take home. And I'm like Steph. My high school is like two hundred dollars, two hundred fifty dollars. Let alone they've got to probably walk this guy to his car with security because this guy's pulling home over ten grand. In the 50-50 drawing at these yeah. games, I was I was blown
2: away by. And the how athletic deal department is too. The school is getting the other ten thousand. Yes, so, yes. You know that's that's that would help out a lot. Um, so it's, you know it's community pride. Um, you know I'm trying to develop this at Worthing Christian. We're a private school. It's tough. It's tough to replicate the competitive toughness, physical, mental, um, and, and it's tough to replicate the community pride. Um, there's a lot of it. Uh, you can hear yes. that in Steph. She's very proud of the community that she went. I'm very proud of my community, and it, it is a it's a great part of a great area, a place to grow up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you graduated from from high school, of course, you're on a state winning championship team. You played, I think, with Bobby Hoying, I believe yes. who who end up. Being a starting quarterback at Ohio State and, and end up going to the NFL as well. But what I'm curious, what led you, coach, to end up at Penn State versus like any other school back then?
2: Well, I loved Notre Dame and they weren't recruiting me. So <laughs> that was okay. Easy. I did not like Ohio State at all and they weren't really recruiting me until the end. And I went to a couple Penn State camps uh, with Bobby and, and some other guys. I love the, the college, um, and I love the idea of playing with Joe Paterno. And I read a book about their Heisman Trophy winner, John Capaletti, who's, whose brother had died of cancer. And I forget what the book was called. Something for Joey, I think it was okay. called. And I just uh, – in the book, I realized that with Coach Paterno, it was more than about – his number one priority was was growing men and um and doing it with honor and doing it the right way and so it really wasn't a very difficult decision for me i wanted to have an opportunity to win a national title opportunity to go um to the nfl and i felt like those two things could be accomplished there if i was good enough and uh worked out well what
0: what was he like coach paterno behind behind the scenes right because Mm -hmm. i guess you you see him on tv um you see no see the fault. Headset. yeah. No headset, Mm-mm. pants rolled up,
1: old school,
0: old school guy. Mm-hmm. What? What was? And you, you got him when he was in his prime as well. So what? What was he like as a coach? Right yeah. uh, back in the day, back in the nineties.
2: Intense, very intense, he? very driven, very uh, Nick Saban like. We're all watching Nick Saban right now. Yes. Bill Belichick, probably not as dry as Bill Belichick. Lot more relational. I was intimidated. I'm not going to lie. For five years, <laughs> I don't even think I had five conversations with him in five really? years. I mean, you know, one-on-one conversation right. with him. Um, you know, I got in trouble on campus. I'll tell you this little story. I got in trouble on campus and and uh, on a weekend. And I was in his office on Monday morning, and man, I was nervously awaiting my opportunity to go in there. I sat down. I didn't know what to expect. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Jeff. This stuff was probably a fresh, I think I was a freshman, my first year there, first semester. And he said, "Jeff, you have a great opportunity to be a great player and a great person at Penn State University, if you don't mess it up. So don't mess it up." And I, I was like, "That's all." And I walked out, and I was like, "It still gives me chills." And I was like, "That's all he needed to say." And uh, you know, from that point forward, it was a great moment because I, I kept myself clean. I kept, I had the right friends, and. And uh, he inspired me just in those little words right there to give my to pursue excellence um, mm-hmm. for the rest of my career there
1: Any memories that you can think of with school with locker rooms or your best game or anything like that that you can think of that just whenever you think of college football, you always think of that one game or that one experience that you had
2: man. You know, people say athletes say they remember the, the, the times that they messed up more than they remember the times that they that they succeeded. And I hate to say when I you know, when you ask that question, the first things that come to mind are, you know, we played Miami and we lost. And then I'll get to the good memories. But yeah. we, Miami, <laughs> we had hoped to win a national title. Here I am. I'm a freshman coming on campus and I don't even know if I can play uh, with these guys because I was a small town saying Steph can tell you, man, small town. Back in that day, no cell phones. I was just telling somebody the other day, I'm like, I, all we got was the, day, the, uh, the daily standard. That was the local news. Um, I didn't even know anything about the outside world, really. Didn't even have ESPN at our house. So I didn't get to see much of that. So I, I, was, I've, you know, I was really intimidated, not sure if I could compete, but I was going to give it 100% effort. My first year, I realized quickly, like, wow, I can compete with these guys. I'm pretty athletic. I'm not big enough. I blew my knee out, for lack of a better way to put it. Oh, Red shirted. It was a blessing at that time because I put on 25 pounds and I was ready to roll as the next year went in. And we're playing Miami. I'm playing against Miami Hurricanes. Jimmy Johnson had went to the Dallas Cowboys by then. It was surreal. Like, I, I couldn't even believe it. And fourth and one, and I forgot to pu- – I didn't pull, and I was supposed to, and Jesse Armstead, great linebacker, 10 years, he blows the play up. we lose the game. The next year, Michigan first and goal from the one yard line. We don't score. We lose the game. Lose a Big Ten championship. Um, and then the following year, I'm not saying this because I'm living in Columbus, and you know, but all the Ohio State fans remember in '94. Like we I, blew yes. out Ohio State, and that that was a pretty phenomenal experience. I'm I'm playing against Bobby Hoing, my friend. I, have, you know, we have a lot of people from St. Henry coming in, and. And nobody could have predicted that. It even, you know, we could say that, oh, we knew we were that good. But it was one of those days, paternalisms. We weren't as good as we thought we were. And they weren't near as bad as everybody was telling them they were.
0: Um, now, now, when you say you blew them out, it is 63 to
2: what? 14, I think? Yeah, 60. Yeah, but it was 45 to 7 at halftime. It was like we scored oh, every time gosh. we touched the ball. 42 to 7 probably at halftime.
0: Gosh, and I was telling I was telling staff when we were looking at like the teams you had been on um, that team on offense you had five first round draft picks, two second round draft picks. I mean, loaded with future NFL guys. I I was blown away like how good that team was that you were on at Penn State. That's mm-hmm. that was pretty incredible. Yeah, great experience. So when you moved on to the NFL, of course you got drafted by the Lions. I'm curious if you have a good Barry Sanders story because I seeing that you literally, you play with Barry Sanders when he's the MVP, but you also were there when he retired at such a young age. Yeah. And so I was curious if you have
2: a, yeah, a good Barry
0: Sanders story because he, he wasn't, a real high profile guy. He didn't do a lot of interviews, didn't do a lot of media. And so I was curious, you had, had a a good memory of him.
2: Yeah. I think first of all, as far as, as far as Barry goes, he was, he was, um, introvert, um, just not comfortable with all the attention. Didn't think the attention for being a football player was a big deal. Um, you know, it was at the beginning in his defense, it was at the beginning of national media. Once again, you know, I'm not trying to age myself, but in the nineties, you know, you weren't taught how to do interviews and you didn't have your social profile, right. I guess, whatever they be yep. a profile uh, like guys have nowadays. And, and, but I still think Barry Sanders would be a, uh, you know, the kind a kind of humble guy. Um, it was amazing playing with him. A great guy. I remember the work ethic that he had in practice when, when the defense was out there and the offense was on the silent, like he'd be running conditioning and getting ready. But you know, the best thing I can say, my best story I can tell, true story, I'm a rookie. Um, I signed late and finally get get on the team, and maybe about week 9 or 10, first day, you know, getting in the huddle, I'm looking around, Barry Sanders, like, once again, this is surreal. This is unbelievable. had the, you know, would have could have got drafted by anybody, but I'm three hours from home. My parents can come. I'm with Barry Sanders. Right. I watched him. Greatest running back ever in college, some people say. And, uh, by the end of that year, I had, I had had a, you're never healthy in the NFL. So I had had a separated, basically like torn rib cartilage, our left tackle or right tackle had been, was done for the year. And so it was me playing with torn rib cartilage. Our right tackle was an undrafted rookie and we're going against San Francisco 49ers and they're just coming off Super Bowl victories. And Barry is going after the league rushing title, which he doesn't really care about anyways, but we want to get it for him. And we're in San Francisco on a Monday night, and we're going against the best D-tackle in the league, by the way, on my side. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a rough day. And it was, like, probably one of the worst. It was worse. It was bad because of my injury and everything, and he was very good. But there there was one play in particular where Barry did his thing where he goes all over the place. Like, I basically didn't block my guy. I don't know if anybody did. He he did like three spin moves and I am I was on like the 50 yard line. He's down he we started on the 30 so it's like 70 yard touchdown run. I'm jogging at the 50. I'm watching him make guys. I can see it in my in my brain right now. And I, and I said to myself, this is like a stinking video game. Like somebody's <laughs> operating him and you know how people you, you hit the button and he spins and makes a guy the, Right. You hit another right. button. I'm like I'm playing it. I'm just in a video Turbo. game here with this guy. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to block my guy. I'm just going to watch him spin, reverse, turbo button
2: gone. Turbo, that's right. I don't even play video games, but I've seen people play them. And oh. That's what it looked like. So
1: you talk about torn rib cartilage. Yes, that was a Monday game, but you know, think if you played on a Sunday or what was your body like come Monday morning when you woke up.
2: Well, I loved football. I, I loved football. My second year in the NFL, I stopped thinking that I could be 100% healthy. In college and high school, I kind of really felt like I went into games, felt 100%, did the body check, and it was like, ah, everything feels good. There was a point in the, in the NFL my second year, I kept pursuing, like, man, sooner or later, I'm not going to have something nagging. And then I just was like, ah, forget about it. Every single week, you're going to have something nagging you, nagging you. But adrenaline does amazing things. Competitive spirit, competitive drive yeah. does amazing things. I think as years have went on, uh, we're seeing it right now with the death of Kobe a couple days ago, um, the pursuit of excellence that he had. Last night, I was watching something. The amount of effort that athletes put into to getting out there on game day, you know, for people to criticize that is really foolish. Um, we put a ton of effort into just getting better at our skills, but also getting ourselves to, to feel right. And there's no days off. I think it's, it builds tremendous amount of character um, in high school, college. Um, NFL, it doesn't matter where you're, you're not calling in sick like a lot of people do in the in the, in the general employment world job world. You know, football players, basketball players, athletes in general. You don't, you don't call and have days off. You're training all the time. That helps you in life, builds right. character. Oh, that's good.
1: When you're on the line, all right, and you're getting ready to block, and you look up at the defense coming at you, is there a player that you're like, oh, not re- good? No, this <laughs> isn't going to be good. This a big this dude. Is, this, yeah, like you just see the eyes and like the spit coming out, like they just want you. Yeah, well. Like, who, who is wanna... that, like, you mentally think of? You're like, oh, that guy, he, like, he's going to come for it.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, I, I don't want to sound like a coach, but I can't have that prey attitude. That's a prey attitude. I'm not predator attitude. You got you got your fate, Your eyes are forward. You're focused. You, you're on, you know, you're on task. And, you know, for me anyways, you know, I, I felt like I could block anybody if I had the right That's technique, awesome. the right, right. mental state of mind and you know thankfully I could I god-given ability and skill and coaches um, but actually our practices were the toughest in training camp Casey Hampton you know hopefully he'll be a Hall of famer someday he has several Pro Bowls and he was a nose tackle and that guy he knew our snap count so that didn't help um, oh, he was really a sure yeah. guy and John Randall he's a Hall of famer um, from Minnesota Vikings had. he was he was amazing. And Bryant Young was amazing from the San Francisco 49ers. He did have one of those excruciating injuries where he broke his lower leg. And and um, so he wasn't quite as good after that, but he was still an amazing player. Um, so there were definitely guys where, you know, you knew had to prepare a little bit extra. I, I only weighed 290. I was going against 330-pound guys that, you know, probably could be uh, tight ends um, or probably were tight ends or linebackers and, so they, it was fun, but you know, I, I got put on my back one game. And ironically, it was the best game I ever had because I let up for one play, got put on my back right by Big Ben. I blew his knee out. And, oh, and, and uh, that woke me up and I played the best game of my career.
0: So moving on to the Steelers, right? So you, I think in, in 2001, you signed a free agent contract with, with Pittsburgh, which ended up being a pretty good... Pretty good decision, coach, quite honestly.
2: <laughs> Wasn't even my that decision, worked, but that,
0: that worked out well. But um you end up winning a Super Bowl, right, in 06. In I'm I'm the question I have about that, right, because we could talk about the Super Bowl all day long, but I'm curious when you and your team actually won it, what that experience was like, because did it did it meet your expectations of winning at the highest level possible and, and what that meant.
2: Yeah, 100% met my expectation, 100%. By then, I'd given my life to Christ. I, I went into the NFL, uh, just heard somebody talking about it last night with, with Kobe Bryant and how, you know, when you're a young athlete, to get to that level, you really do have to be almost singular focused and, and almost selfish, um, and I was. I, I broke up with my current wife, and uh, thankfully, we got back together, but in high school, I wanted to focus 100% on making it to the NFL, and, uh, and that damaged a lot of relationships. And, and uh, when I was in Detroit, went to a Bible study, long story short, went to a Bible study, heard the Word of God, and I was like, wow, never even knew I could have a relationship with God and how that would change my life. Not only did it change my life as a, as a husband, I was a new father, and I was very nervous about that, and, um, but it changed my life with regards to my profession and, and playing football, kind of it lifted all of the expectations that coaches had, and even myself, and just had me playing for um, the satisfaction of God, which is really simple. Just have a great attitude, concentrate on your job, on your task, you have a responsibility, it is a profession, and give 100% effort. and um, And so by the time I got to the Super Bowl, and by the way, lost a couple championship games. That was tough. So yeah, you know, that's right. that was very tough. That gave me a different perspective also. So, you know, year 10, I'd been through a lot. Um, I went to the game. I wasn't nervous about it. I was excited about going out there to try to win the game. We won the game. It was an amazing, amazing feeling of accomplishment. Of Just imagine, you know, since I was 10, 11 years old, I wanted to win a Super Bowl. So I'm 32 30 I don't even know 34 years old 23 if you can imagine wanting something for 23 years of your your adult thinking and adolescent thinking life that's what you wanted and then you finally get it um, you it, it did not it, it definitely met my expectations did not let let, let let me down that's good well where's where's your Super Bowl ring at Do you wear it much? Hardly ever wear it it's in the basement somewhere <laughs> uh, No, it's no, no, I'm safe. <laughs> Good luck carrying the safe out, but, but, um, no, it's too, I only bring it when I'm doing speaking engagements or I want, I want to sh- if I'm speaking, I want to show kids or something like that. I, I'm kind of an introvert. I'm, I'm like Barry probably, you know, I, I don't like the center of attention, so I don't bring it out too much, but if you ever want to see it, I can show it to you. I guess I should have brought it. I could have. It.
0: Moving in coach in, into retirement. I I'm curious. So when you retired from the the Steelers and the NFL, Quite honestly, you you could have done anything you wanted to, mm-hmm. right? In, in life, what led you, coach, to end up moving your family to Columbus, Ohio, and at that point, I think becoming an assistant coach at Worthington Christian.
2: Yeah, there's one stop in between. I mean, actually, a couple, really. Uh, I'd become a Christian. Somebody, the guy who led me to Christ in Detroit, had invited us to be part of a church plant in Salt Lake City, of all places. Okay. So I always dreamed of living in the West, and so we moved out there and helped uh, plant a church out there. The last three years of my football career, we'd live out there in the off season and go back to Pittsburgh to play the season. I didn't know how much longer I'd play; I had a really bad knee. We won a Super Bowl. I got very involved with an inner city ministry, raising money for an inner city ministry, doing doing after school programs, sports and academics, and then summer school for over two hundred kids. Uh, They were just getting started, really. Now it's very big, working with over a 1,000 kids. It's pretty amazing. Um, So we moved back. We actually stayed in Pittsburgh when I retired for eight years, and I did inner-city ministry, raising money. And for six years of those eight, actually doing after-school ministry. That was my occupation. I was in ministry full-time, doing all these programs um, after school and in the evenings. And then we felt uh, like God was really leading us to get closer to my family and my wife's family in quarter in St. Henry. Columbus was the, was the city that was closest to that area and would, would, wouldn't would be so much of a culture shock for our kids at that point. Um, and <laughs> right. so we decided to move here, decided to go to a private school, a Christian school to be part of that ministry. I didn't know what God was going to do, really. My, my motto really was, doesn't matter where you live, it's how you live. And wherever I live, he can use me. So, um, I I started assistant coaching, and then became the head coach. And the head coaching job has I've just loved it, taking it on a hundred percent. I substitute teach when I when I when they need me or when I want to. And but most of the time, I'm just coaching. I'm actually going back to school right now um, to learn more about coaching and and just athletic. Um, director, leadership. Um, and and um, so I've been the head coach here for three years. I feel like we've developed a ministry That's with, our, awesome. with so, our team here.
0: I have a friend who has been part of your Warrior Youth Football League. Oh. And, and one reason that I wanted to have you on, quite honestly, and, and this worked out well because you emailed me something uh, the other day about what I was pretty much was going to ask you about. But he was telling me, kind of about the, the process and the structure you have with your youth football league. And if you don't mind, I want to get on a soapbox here because, um, quite honestly, when I go to – now, Grant, we have three little kids, right? So, um, eight, four, and one. Mm-hmm. And, but over the years, Coach, we've gone to several games, nieces and nephews, whether it's playing football, baseball, volleyball, whatever. And I'm always observing the coaches, right? And I typically leave feeling frustrated, and disappointed because there's so many coaches out there who like attention, make things about themselves, maybe like to hear themselves talk. And they're even at the little league level, they are screaming and berating officials and then even yelling at kids as well. And there's been situations where I've seen, and it just like breaks my heart because, and I I want you to kind of Talk about about your process, but there's been situations where I will see a coach berate a, a kid, and I keep thinking like, do you know that kid's background? Do you know his uh, what his home life is? Do you know that he may be getting verbally abused by his dad at home, right? And you yelling and screaming at him is not helping, right? There are times where a kid may need a hug, right, or need someone to say, "Hey, I value you. I cherish you. We appreciate you being part of our program." And I appreciate what my friend told me about your youth program, because it sure seems like that program and what you have structured with how you train your coaches and mentor athletes is you use athletics, you use football as a platform to mentor kids and make an impact on kids at that age. And so can you talk a little bit about what you do, process-wise structures to impact youth?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's a work in progress, um, you know, for, for those coaches out there, you know, there's probably hopefully a lot of coaches listening. You know, there's guys that don't even get it at all, but there's hope because I didn't get it at all either. And, and then, you know, first of all, I, I learned about Jesus Christ and the impact that he can have so that you can actually share that love uh, with the kids that you're coaching. And then secondly, I, I learned about this transformational coaching. Uh, versus transactional coaching. And I'm really surprised how many coaches have never heard of this these terms and never even thought about the, the idea of that. And you know, a lot of times they're not even like, oh yeah, I've heard about something like that, but I haven't heard those terms, but they haven't even thought about it this way. And transactional coaching is, is where you you're a coach because you love the game and you're interested in winning and losing and you're part of the team and we're all working together and the objective is to win the game. Right. And so you're going to coach the skills and and when they don't perform um, and not and they're not doing what they're what you're asking them to do, what you believe is going to help you win the game. uh, You typically respond uh, with frustration or you you, you typically get frustrated and then respond by being angry. And then you, you know, you use the, uh, the language towards those youth that is tearing them down instead of building them up. Uh, when you're a transformational coach, you, lo- you look at this as an opportunity um, to, to build character in the kids. It's just a, another educational opportunity. You're growing these kids, you're mentoring them, and you're building character in the kids. And um, and your focus is on ha- and loving the kids, loving the kids that you're coaching. So if you really think about and have that focus, where my job is to love the kids, um, now, obviously, you're, you're building skill in the kids, um, the football skills, the basketball skills or whatever it is. You're, you're, you're working very hard on the schemes, um, but you have a totally different perspective, totally different perspective. Uh, I still feel like I'm part of the team. We want to win the game. That's our goal. But the way that I do about it is, you know, I, I have certain things, thir- certain mantras or, or kind of slogans, if you will, one of them is energy, you know, be enthusiastic, be encouraging, um, and give relentless effort. And uh, we're always talking about encouraging our kids and, and looking at in the weight room, I'll give a good example that I've learned this year, even instead of going by and looking at a kid that's doing 135 pounds for 10, and you feel like he could do 175 for 10. The typical way of coaching, I think is that's all you can do. Come on, man, put more weight on there. Instead of saying, man, great job getting those 10. You look like you could get more. Next time, maybe you ought to think about putting more weight on there. Right. And, uh, you know, it gives me chills saying that because I, I'm learning about this way of coaching. And you can just imagine you just built that kid up. You just told him how, how, how great of a job he did. And, and eventually, it's like everything in life. It's like, that ba- it's like that basketball player shooting 500 shots a day and he's going to get better at shooting. Well, as a coach. You got to practice this way of coaching every single day. You got to focus on that, and uh, and there's a lot of materials out there I can share that they can read. And um, but I would say the number one thing is that your focus is changing the character and building kids up, and like you said, recognizing how many things uh, are going on that are tearing them down. At home, 50% divorce rate. Obviously, I always tell my kids, 50% divorce rate. How many happy families you think are out there? Not very many. 50% are divorced, 25% are just hanging in there, and 25, 20% aren't happy. So, you know, 5% of kids are in a happy household. The least that we can do as coaches is try to create a fun, happy environment, and we can build them up, and we can teach them a different way. And I think there's there's a lot of coaches out there that want to do that, um, and just are looking for information um, to do that, and um, so I can share some information, like yeah. I said. So we can we
0: can put that in our show notes. Yeah. Um, any any website or whatever you have, um, any information we can certainly attach that in our show notes for people.
2: I'm in a group of coaches on my staff that uh, that we're all holding each other accountable, and you know I see things that they're doing. And it's like, oh man, that was really good. That was a great example of how they taught that you know, that, that, how they installed defensive game plan. I like his enthusiasm. I got to do a better job of that. And I, and I think it goes vice versa. And then sometimes you see things you're like, Ooh, man, I don't think that got that kid very motivated. Probably shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't have used that language that the words that we used and uh, how we say it and, and who we say it to. And I was even reading today when we say it are very important. It's critical.
0: Well, coach, we want to thank you so much for your time. I absolutely love this. Steph and I, before you uh, called in, were like, Steph, we, we got to try to keep this to not be two hours because we <laughs> yes. could totally probably talk to Coach Hardings forever.
1: We could. We but, absolutely um, could.
0: But we want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us and, and tell several good stories. So thank you, Coach.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. We'll do it another time. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Listeners, if you like what you just saw, like what you just heard, please go to iTunes, go to YouTube, and subscribe, rate, review this podcast. That's the only way we'll be able to continue to produce this. Where else can they go, Stephanie?
1: They can go to KevinandSteph.com. That's all I know, though. So, is that it?
0: You crushed it. Yes, crushed it. Thank you, listeners. The story of my life. She's broken